<laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to the first live broadcast of the Insiders on Real Estate and Marketing. I'm your host, Sandy Hibbard, and this is my co-host, Mr. Mark Miller of Secured Title of Texas. And today we have a very special guest with us, Mr. Curtis Roddy. Thank you. And, of course, our attorney at large, Mr. <laughs> Kerry Presock. So happy to have you guys here. We're also going to be bringing in Brian McCauley here in a few minutes to talk uh, via video feed. <laughs> and uh, today we're got, we've got a really great show put together to talk about a, uh, a subject that's going to be hot, we think, in 2021, and that's the forbearance market, the foreclosure market. So we've got some experts here. They're going to give you the lowdown on that. But before we jump in, I want to ask Mark and you guys, my gosh, it's 2021. How was the holidays? The holidays were great. Uh, <laughs> December was outstanding for us for, yeah. uh, as a company in closing, so everybody was cramming as they normally do toward the end of the year. Uh, a lot of commercial deals we closed. Residential's good. Good news is it's just flowing right over into the end of this month, and my mm -hmm. gosh, we're already halfway through January. Mm -hmm. It's just moving very, very rapidly. It's crazy. Yeah. And it, the crazy thing to me has been the consistent reports that I'm reading about how hot this market is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and who would have ever thought that? We've right. been in the middle of a pandemic and the crazy things happening around the world, but people are still buying houses here in <laughs> Dallas like crazy, right? Low inventory. I mean, interest rates still phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, you know, it's just, the, it's continues to be the perfect storm. And so, Dallas is a great place to live. Oh my gosh, we couldn't hope to be anywhere else yeah, uh, yeah. In, the, in the country, really. It's really phenomenal. a great place. It's a great place. It's a great time. Um, We've got a lot of good stuff ahead of us in 2021 in this business. So um, I, today we have a very technical, detailed kind of subject. So I want to jump right in yeah. and hand it over to uh, our experts here. But what we want to talk about is the forbearance market and the foreclosure market. And our guys are going to talk a little bit about their predictions and what they plan to see in this year, 2021 in that regard. COVID hit us hard. It's hit the country hard. It's still raging around. People have suffered financially in a big way. So uh, what does forbearance market mean? What does forbearance mean? And how is that going to help people who are wanting to stay in their homes and buy homes? So this is sort of the gist of today. So I hope you'll sit back, enjoy us, and thank you for coming along with us on our first live broadcast. Um, Mark, I'm going to let you introduce sure. our very special guest today. Well, uh, Roddy Foreclosure Listing Services has been around in this market for a long time. In fact, back to 1963. And I'm just delighted to have Curtis on board with us uh, today. Curtis has been in the real estate world, an entrepreneur for 15 years and successful investor in real estate and obviously in the real estate services. And he's also founder and CEO of uh, RAR Partners, uh, and which is an investment, private investment uh, firm, and they have a portfolio of about 300 single-family, multifamily properties in the market across the country, in fact. And then he serves as COO of Roddy uh, Real Estate, or Roddy Foreclosure Listing Services, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is just a landmark name out there in the marketplace. So right. I'm delighted to have him here. There's a lot of things that just happened as of yesterday. Oh, wow. And I'm yep. ready for Curtis to jump right in and, and start talking a little bit about what's going on. Okay. Yeah, thank you guys. Good to have you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And you're an Okie too, I understand. I'm from Dallas. Yeah. Uh, uh, had a brief stint in Oklahoma and then made my way back as soon as I could. All right, all right. <laughs> I didn't mean to offend you. No, no. <laughs> I don't want anybody to get the wrong wrong idea. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm from Texas. That's yeah, right. I grew up in Oklahoma. Uh, still, <laughs> still water, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, jump right in. I want, first of all, for us to kind of look at what is forbearance for yeah. our listeners who really don't know what that is. Yeah, so forbearance is is really a program that, that uh, you know, Fannie Mae and, and Freddie Mac have int- uh, introduced to uh, uh homeowners that have been distressed through the COVID you know, or been affected by COVID. And so uh, homeowners that were, are not able to keep paying, making their mortgage payments um, enter into like an, an, a, a forbearance agreement where um, instead of making those payments now, they are deferring them or, or putting them off until uh, the forbearance period is over. Right now, we think that forbearance, well, before before January, we thought that forbearance probably was going to end at the end of Q1 2021. Mm-hmm. Now it's looking like probably Q3, Q4. Um, but the big question was, uh, you know, after the forbearance period was over, what was going to happen? Were, were homeowners going to have to pay, make one balloon payment? And, you know, some people have been in forbearance for a year. Um, or, or were they going to just tack that on? And we talked a little bit earlier about deferrals and that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, that's in, in a nutshell, that's what forbearance is. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing it helps the homeowners avoid is obviously foreclosure and evictions and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So a property's in distress. Yep. They say, we're going to put you in a forbearance plan. Yep. So the payments are deferred, but they're, they're added to the back end of the loan. Ex- we think, right? We, so, yeah. so there's no, there's it's no defined yet. Yeah, it's not, it's yeah. not been defined, you know, especially, you know, let's say back in March and April, people didn't know was that going to affect your credit was it going to oh, yeah. was there going to be something like am i going to have to pay $25,000 in March of 2021 or whatever that period was going to be um, there's a little bit more guidance right now from from Fannie Mae and from um, the big banks and lenders uh, what was going to ha- or what is going to happen but uh, there's still some some unknowns out there but we do know that it's extended so people are still able to take advantage of the forbearance plan yeah we we think people can still take advantage of it um, you know it, it's a moving target when that when that's going to end. Uh, right now, it, it's not. There's no not much of a hurdle to to declare forbearance or to get into forbearance. You have to say you're you're affected by COVID, and and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have and it typically has to be a homesteaded property. So we can talk later about you know how this is affecting uh, real estate investors as well. But um, it's it's affecting both you know your traditional homeowner and also investors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, each one of these agreements is going to be a little different. So they're going to look. It's not like there's a standard form that everybody uses. Each lender is going to have their own one, and they're going to need to pay close attention to terms because the agreement's going to say when that when that payment's done. And a lot of these are a bulk payment. We saw a lot of uh, uh, foreclosures coming out of Harris County after Harvey Mm -hmm. because all the forbearances for Harvey they gave one six month forbearance, and then there was a lump sum payment that people could not afford. You saw a big spike in foreclosures post-Harvey in Harris County. And well, sure, most for, people, that's going to happen to most people who can't do that, <coughs> yeah. can't catch up like that. So, so then that forbearance is not like pandemic relief. Well, the, it is con- in essence, mm-hmm. I think it is as, as it relates to, to today's environment. And I think the real estate world was anticipating that at the end of 2020, that the forbearance was... Uh, relief was going to be over and then i think the processes of how do you mitigate all of this debt that's mm-hmm. not been paid or serviced mm-hmm. uh, and therefore i thought we we're going to be moving into a fairly rapid foreclosure environment uh, and i would like curtis to address kind of how that's impacted on the listing uh, yeah. on his side for uh postings and uh statistically kind of what what you see on that 
Yeah, it, it was. It's been a pretty uh, crazy roller coaster. Really trying to. I mean, back in March and April, we thought, okay, there's going to be three months forbearance and or six months, whatever it was going to be. And we said, hey, at the end of you know in, in October of 2020, we're going to have 15,000 postings in in Texas. Uh, that kept getting pushed, pushed, pushed. Then guidance came out that instead of the balloon payment, a lot of lenders are starting to say that there's probably going to be. Um, uh, you know, it'll be tacked on to the end of the loan instead of having to make that balloon payment. And so now, the, like the pro or projection is is changing a little bit. Um, you know, we talk about statistics. Uh, postings across Texas are down 80 percent. Right. Mm -hmm. So in a healthy market, Texas typically has about 5,000 postings every month. So pre-COVID, we were about 5,000 postings every month. Collin County's got 18 for, I, for February. I, which I've it's I've been involved. I mean, since diapers, I've been monitoring this stuff. <laughs> And I've never seen 18 postings in Collin County. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Wow. I, I saw yeah. the numbers and I was like, I cannot believe it. So you do, think, do you think the numbers are low because of the forbearance? Uh, for sure, yeah. So yeah, forbearance yeah. and the guidance and the, and the CARES Act is is, is uh, affecting everything. So the, the other side to forbearance is, is foreclosures, right? They, there's a foreclosure moratorium. And that foreclosure moratorium is affecting like home, it's really the same people that are going into forbearance. They're also getting this foreclosure protection. So, um, our you know the way we understand it is that a occupied house, a homesteaded house, uh, cannot be foreclosed on, okay. uh, especially if they've been affected by COVID. And so, right now, most of the properties that are being foreclosed on are investor-owned properties, vacant properties that have been run down or abandoned pre-COVID, mm -hmm. um, and very rarely there's you know one you know a normal occupied house will will be foreclosed on. Mm -hmm. You still see some hard money lenders foreclosing and oh, yeah. posting now. Correct. Yeah. So most of the loans right now are. I mean, if we look at just you know, I mean, commercial foreclosures are you know unbelievable. It's it's crazy seeing some of these commercial foreclosures that are being posted. Uh, hard money lenders. I've never seen so. I mean, it's because we don't have 120 in Collin County right now, mm -hmm. but I'd say 20, 25 percent of the postings right now are hard money lenders, and that's because they're non-homesteaded. Uh, uh, hard money lenders don't have to follow the same regulations that Fannie Mae and Freddie uh, lenders are having to follow, follow as well. So Fannie and Freddie, correct, does, exactly. Does that apply? Fannie and Freddie are for homestead. C correct. Mortgage. I mean, typically, it's, yeah, yeah your, your your traditional Fannie. FHA, VA, those loans are, are all protected right now. Okay. So is it fair to say that uh, on an average, if we didn't, if we weren't in a forbearance COVID environment, that uh, on an annualized basis, foreclosures contribute to some recognized level of inventory available out there. So the low, low inventory oh, is yeah. even more uh, impacted because foreclosures are not taking place and therefore that inventory is not going out into the market. Exactly. So, as well. so typically, let's say Collin County, they'll have 120 postings every month. Um, you annualize that, you're at 12, 1300 postings a month. Uh, right now they're at 20 to 40, right? We thought we were getting, kind of climbing out last month, we were at 40. Um, you know, that's a thousand houses that are not on the market right now mm -hmm. or you know, over the course mm -hmm. of the year that they have not transacted. So. Uh, so realtors who depend on that market, who yeah. are marketing to that market, that's shrinking for them. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. There's less leads. There's less less to go after. I mean, there's some. There's a little bit of a positive there. Uh, real estate agents have more more time to go after those properties, more time to sell and transact. Mm -hmm. But uh, overall, from a macro perspective, the Texas economy or the Texas real estate market has been drastically affected. So on your other side, in your portfolio uh, investment approach, yeah. how does that how's that impacted? those target assets that are available out there as well. Yeah, I mean, right now the, you know, there's still a foreclosure auction. There's just drastic, you know, drastic reduction in volume at those auctions. <laughs> but people are paying, you know, 100% of value at the auction. 
Um, I mean, we're making cash offers on MLS property the day it comes out, uh, full price or even over, and we're being turned down. Uh, and, and that's, you know, with a secure fund and everything like that. Right. So, um, you know, it's d- still definitely a seller's market from a, an investor perspective. There's still stuff out there, right? We're, we're getting lucky. There's some um, other markets, like non-Dallas, you know, hot D- Dallas uh, markets that there's still deals available. Um, and it's really all about, you know, being dedicated to researching and, and finding those, those nuggets. So it used to be really easy to find 10 houses to buy at auction, and now it's a little bit harder to do that. So on the, on the other side of that is the short sell strategy that we've seen before. Is that a potential strategy you'd see in the making as well? Because perhaps even though forbearance is extended, mm-hmm. the homeowner is going to say, eventually, I'm going to have an issue. And is there a place there to try to in, implement a strategy in the short sale? That's sell? a good question. Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, my opinion is that there's no need to have a short sale, right? Because you can try, I mean, we're putting a house on the market on the on the other side, and, and that same day, we're getting cash, full price cash offers, oh, yeah. right? And so okay. there's not... Demand's so high, yeah, the so, short sale's not really relevant. So there might be less volume and less less for the agent to go after, <laughs> but, man, it's easy to sell. Mm-hmm. It's very... Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to fix right. it up. You put it on the market that day, just put a sign in the yard, you're going to sell it. You're going to sell the it. The seller's yeah. market. Yeah, definitely. Let me take a moment to say, if you have any questions right now for these guys on the CARES eviction laws, forbearance, any of this, why don't you text them to... You want to text them to you, or should we just put them through Facebook? Just put them, just put them, through just Facebook. Post them on Facebook. You're there on our yeah. Facebook. Just DM on Facebook the question, and uh, Michelle's here. She's going to route those questions over to the guys to answer. So if you have any questions, this is the time to ask them. Um, so, Curtis, realtors that yeah. are struggling right now with their businesses because it is such a seller's market. The inventory is so low, multiple offers. It's crazy world out there. How does a realtor address this whole thing of forbearance with their clients, with their market. Yeah, I mean, there, so there's, you know, it's a two, double-sided sword, right? So you've got the positive is once you get something under contract or once you get a listing, it's super easy to sell. You don't have to do much. I mean, we're, we're putting houses on the market from the auction. We've never done that before. Wow. Right? We're not doing anything. We're just putting it right on the market. Right. Um, it's almost to, like a flip. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's literally a flip. Yeah. You buy it at the auction, you put a sign in the yard, it's yeah. gone the next day. Yeah. Um, so it's easy to sell, but for you know trying to find those listings are definitely definitely a lot more difficult. Um, there are you know the traditional pre foreclosure leads are still great leads. You've got a lot more people going after them because there's less less out there. There's other types of leads though, and so uh, we we actually publish a, a lead called the post bankruptcy alert lead, mm-hmm. and so that lead actually is tracking people that are coming out of bankruptcy. That's a good deal. And there's a lot more people that are are you know. You're not. It's not stopping bankruptcy. There's. You're still in the foreclosure process. The forbearance doesn't stop everything. You're not like, oh, I declared forbearance and I'm magically caught up and out of debt and all this stuff, right? <laughs> no. It doesn't happen that way. And doesn't so doesn't go away. Doesn't go. Yeah, exactly. So um, people are still going through bankruptcy, and and you, once you lose your bankruptcy protection and you leave that bankruptcy uh, uh, haven, you're eligible for foreclosure. Now there could be you know, uh, if foreclosure moratorium or something affecting that, but you're technically eligible for foreclosure. And so we track those. There's thousands of leads in North Texas um, right now that of people that are le- leaving bankruptcy. Um, and that's one way that a, an agent might be able to... Uh, are you a source for we, those leads? We are a source, yes. So you can oh, go to our website, flsonline.com, and we track that across uh, North and Central Texas. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So realtors... 
Take note of that website. Tell yep. us again, Chris. Yep, it's uh, www.fls, so it's like foreclosure listing service, okay. online.com. Yeah, just another market you can tap into. I think that's really important yeah. right now since the inventory on listed homes is so right. low. Right, yeah. Right, it's a lead gen. Yeah. I think it's time to bring Brian yeah. in. Yeah, uh, Brian McCauley, somewhere out there in the universe. Uh, there he is. There's my man, Brian. Uh, hey, Brian and, Brian and I have been friends for a long time. We've done business together for a long time. He is my preferred uh, lender whenever somebody contacts me asking me for a, for a source to turn to. Uh, so we've got a great relationship. I have ultimate respect for him. He is at the top of his game, and I know he's dealing with this whole forbearance environment on a uh, daily basis. So, Brian, I'm really anxious to hear kind of your assessment of this whole now extension of the forbearance side and uh, some of the impact to underwriting and things of that nature. So I'm going to let you take it away. Yeah, yeah thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, you know, it is a sensitive topic. Uh, it's tricky. It's a few things because obviously, you know, it started out in the beginning of COVID as a life raft, right? They were just trying to help people out who were potentially in a bad financial spot, uh, which was the right thing to do to give them temporary relief. But of course, you know, they start to write the rules of what happens if you take forbearance after the fact, and it can become a little tricky to the consumer on the effect. Uh, it can become very tricky to the lender on how to approach it because they are writing the rules as they're making it happen. And so it's a little subjective. Um, I think the two biggest things on a mortgage side, on the impact side, first off is, you know, when you look at the back end on the servicer and the investor side, uh, forbearance is a great thing for any homeowner that needs it. Uh, it's a bad thing for a servicer. They're in the business of making money by collecting payments on the interest to make sure that their companies can run and function and there's no profit there. So if you are an investor and all these people are in forbearance, what the immediate effect was is that they shrunk down the guidelines and tried to eliminate the risk on borrowers that they think are potential high risk because they don't want any more COVID uh, loans going into forbearance because then, then therefore obviously no payments are being collected. So financially, it was a tricky thing because you want relief for people, but if your job and how you make a living is to collect payments, you know, uh, kind of a gift and a curse. Second part about forbearance and guidelines, um, it was tough because again, it's a moving target. You know, the government relieved everybody and then people took it because they needed it, but lenders didn't know how to handle it because it wasn't written in stone. So it's changed shape a few times on how it affects the guidelines. Um, you know, right now there's no hard effect, meaning if somebody's in forbearance, you know, uh, it doesn't fully disqualify them from getting a home loan. Uh, lenders just want to know why, but obviously if they want to refinance or something, they just need to get caught up on the forbearance. That's always the tricky part, right? Forbearance equals uh, financial problems in the eyes of a mortgage company or a lender, and they don't want that. So they're eligible to refinance as long as they get caught up on the forbearance payments. But obviously, uh, you know, most people that are in forbearance can't afford the payment. So it's kind of a, uh, you know, catch 22 that they want to make it work and they want to get caught up. Uh, that'll get them eligible and everything's fine. But a lot of times they don't have the money. Um, I agree with what the other gentleman said that, you know, if the problem with the forbearance is they don't know where the finish line is and what's going to happen. Uh, if somebody can't make a $1,000 a month payment and they were in forbearance for six months, when it comes out of forbearance, they're going to owe 6000 They probably don't have it. Or even if they had it, they're not going to want to dump it all back into the servicer because then they're broke again. 
So what does the servicer do? Do they call the note due and foreclose or do they try to restructure it to where it's kind of wrapped onto the back of the mortgage loan, similar to an auto wrap to where it kind of relieves the people of that and they start back fresh on the payment. Um, you know, what does that look like? We don't know. It's still in the works. Uh, I don't think lenders truly want to foreclose on properties. They want to make it work for the homeowner. And obviously they want to go through the legal process and lose money and start everything over. But at some point there's a line in the sand to where investors have to make a decision on the existing forbearance agreements. Um, and I think that's still to come, but that's currently in the works. Well, Brian, I have a question. So does that mean that if a mortgage or an investor company is just left holding the bag, I mean, I, I guess I'm not asking if that means that. What I'm asking is, are there programs right now, federal programs or in the foreseeable future that's gonna protect the investor money and the mortgage money? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. It's, you know, the challenge with that is all this stimulus money uh, is going to a lot of folks. You know, I think where they missed the mark is none of that stimulus money went to the bond market and the servicers, right? That money was backing up a lot of things and was guaranteed, but it never made it to the people that are holding the notes. So if there's no guarantee on the back end as a servicer, you know, and they're stuck holding the bag, what do they actually do? Um, so specific to that part, that's something that we don't actually know. I think that the guidelines would adjust accordingly if some of that money was there um, as a backstop to the bondholders and the servicers to protect in the event of, you know, more forbearance, they understand that they are protected, but right now they're not fully protected. So uh, it's still a question mark on what that looks like. Um, I know they would like that and that would probably alleviate a lot of the restriction and a lot of the anxiety around what the future holds specific to those servicers and the mortgages that are in forbearance. Right, right. So when you're dealing with realtors, how do they address this with clients? I mean, what's yeah. the answer? Is Good question. You know, people that are buying a new home, uh, most of the time don't have an existing home loan. They're not in forbearance. So normally it's a renter, you know, that's looking to stop paying somebody else's home loan and pay their own. So that forbearance really doesn't come into the conversation. Uh, if it's a realtor that is, you know, helping a past client, they're selling one house and buying the other or bu buying a new, you know, the forbearance component really doesn't come into play for the realtor because they don't see the financial back end. All they see is buyer or seller in the future. That's more of something that, you know, when I do a full financial uh, review in the event that a client was selling their current house and buying a new one and they were in forbearance, I would need to address that with the client and the agents just to let them know that, hey, something has to be done prior to close to make this work so there's no hard stops, right? And there's no ch challenges there. Um, so realtors, most of the time, rely on their mortgage partner uh, to inform them if there's any big surprises specific around forbearance so they can know that when trying to navigate through the next home purchase. Right, right. And that's important to know that because if, you know, it's been a hard time for so many people, do we just chalk it up and say, this isn't going to be the year for me to buy. I mean, and that is really disheartening to people who are relying on that flow well, of properties and buyers. Of is, Brian, all these people in forbearance are also missing the opportunity, the rate environment that we're in, right? So you got you got a challenge there because we're they're, who knows what they're sitting at in, a, in an interest rate, but now they've gone in forbearance. So are they going to be? Will they? Can be they able even to come refinance? Out the time to be able to take advantage. Yeah. If they wanted to refinance it. 
and how are they going to address that yeah. add-on yeah. uh, debt to the principal balance right, that, right. That's now, that they're now faced with. Uh, we did have a question, Adam, once the forbearance ends, are lenders going to foreclose all at once or space it out? Uh, Curtis, I think that the highways would just be totally congested yeah. once they pull the trigger to yeah, say I mean, go. Yeah, you know, there's, there's 60,000 properties in, in, in uh, shadow inventory right now, so or, uh, there will be whenever the forbearance is over. So we don't think that, you know, day one, lenders are going to say, hey, we need to foreclose. They can't, they can't the problem, right? You right. couldn't do it. Um, is that 60,000 in the metro you're referring to? 60,000 60, in Texas. In so, Texas. Like that I are said, on forbearance plans? That, no, that like that typically in a healthy environment would be foreclosed on. Yeah. Right? So that like, that oh, have right. not wow. been foreclosed. So, so they were, if we were going today, they could move in on <laughs> yeah. 60,000. Exactly. So if, right. They're in limbo. Know, and we're going to be in a negative, you know, we're not going to be in a healthy environment right. whenever right. we're out of this. So. Now, when this first started, lenders, well, I was seeing lenders posting, or normally you have to have 21 days advance. And they would they were trying to project when it was going to end. So mm -hmm. you would see postings a couple of months ahead of time, I'm but sorry. that's slowed now. Mm -hmm. Just to the point I was talking yeah. about in February, six months ago, you would have three times that because they're projecting this is going to end, and they want oh, to get wow. ahead of the curve because yeah. they got to give a 21 days notice. So they'll go ahead and schedule it several months out, but you're not seeing those now. Yeah. Like even March and April, I don't think it has any postings yet, and we were seeing those previously. Yeah. yeah. So let's. Let's bring this all together for our realtors, for okay. our producing realtors, all of our clients, right? How can we help them with this information? What can they do? Where do they go? And how do they handle distressed clients and clients who are trying to sell because of a distressed property? Brian, what do you got for three takeaways of what you'd like to make on points? Yeah, I mean, specifically, you know, properties, uh, I would say they need to partner up with somebody like you guys to figure out what's available, uh, when it'll be available, and if it's the right fit for the client. That would be number one. Number two, you know, the same rule now applies as it has for the past 20 years. Make sure that your clients are fully pre-approved upfront, all financials verified, taxes, credit, everything. Don't leave anything to chance. Uh, our space is hard enough to begin with. But when you throw in this market, thin inventory, sometimes some forbearances, there's some curveballs there, and you don't want any booby traps down the line. So just get a true full pre-approval. Make sure you're with a local uh, mortgage advisor, not an online application taker that knows the rules, cares about you, cares about, about the clients. So there's no big surprises, uh, and you can eliminate a lot of the risk. And then number three is just, you know, adjust with the times, right? Understand that it's an imperfect time. It's strange. So this comes with the territory of being an agent in this market. Uh, not only try to take you know advantage of these opportunities if they're out there, but you know there are a lot of other pillars of business, divorce attorneys, wedding planners, all kinds of other people out there that can help you generate clients. So don't just put all your eggs in one basket specific to the default area. Brian, I didn't. I think I didn't at the front, but uh, give them a quick how to get hold of you. Uh, website, email, whatever you'd yeah, like yeah. to share. Uh, here in Dallas, you can call us directly. Uh, main line is 972-244-6760 or visit our website, dallasmortgagenews.com. Awesome. Curtis, Thank you, Brian. what do you got for some takeaways? Yeah, I'd say for, for agents that are working with investors specifically, um, you know, the first thing is tell your investors to get ready, right? We're not going to be in this environment and there's going to be a buying a great buying opportunity, you know, let's say Q3, Q4 of this year. Mm -hmm. Get ready, get your financials ready. Um, 
for agents that are, are working with people that are in distress, uh, this is a great time to sell a property. Can tell your clients that you can sell your property, you can capture that equity, you can avoid the foreclosure process, but you do have to help people come to the realization that if, if you don't sell your house now, in this environment, you're going to lose money. Um, and the, the third thing is just thinking outside the box. If pre-foreclosure leads in your area are not working, then think about other post-bankruptcy leads or vacant house leads or, or working with other investors that are wholesaling. So there's a lot of other opportunities um, besides MLS leads. Yeah, good. Mark? You know, I, I'd almost put my one, two, and three together, but I'd say it in this way, assume nothing. And I think one of the greatest uh, challenges that uh, realtors have when they are trying to work with a client, particularly on the listing side, is they don't, they're not gathering enough information in that pre-discussion to really understand the nature of the sale. Mm -hmm. it's, more about, it's more than selling the home, it's what's behind it that is mm -hmm. equally important. Documentation mm -hmm. side, we're seeing this a lot right now uh, in closings. So you've got to know your client uh, financially for, from Brian's standpoint if you're trying to get qualified, but even if they're selling that and going to another property to buy, but you also got to understand what's the roadmap of where they've gone, what kind of challenges they had that have now become filed of record that might impact the transfer of that, what kind of agreements potentially were out there in front that could impact the transfer of that property as well. So you've really got to move into more consultative, you've got to ask deeper questions, and you really got to understand the nature of the customer that you're trying to serve because at the end of the day, Brian doesn't want it, Curtis doesn't want it if he's buying, we don't want it if we're closing, and that is the 11th hour saying, we can't close. Right. Yeah. And someone said, I knew, but I didn't share that with you, or it's documentation that we, none of us had, but that's what's gonna put it to a screeching halt, and now we've got a no whole other set of problems that we've gotta deal with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, so. that's good. Um, my three are, number one, to follow up with you is, take advantage of these guys. <laughs> I mean, write down these numbers today. We'll post all their contact information online after the show. Uh, arming yourself, not only with marketing tools, but with consultive tools, Correct. title tools, secured title of Texas is right here. Mark and Carrie and Michelle are available to answer and help you in all of these things. So don't sit back and wonder, pick up the phone, get online, talk to these guys because they are here to help you. Brian and Curtis, professionals here, they have, um, shoot, Curt Curtis's leads alone could help get you out of a bad spot, Mr. Realtor. So take advantage of all of the things that are available to you. Don't put your head in the sand, number one. Number two, you've got to diversify your marketing. What worked last year is not going to work the same this year. Um, you know, why are you trying to make New Year's resolutions just go back and revise last year's? Because we were hugely interrupted in 2020. So time to rethink things. Diversify your marketing. Um, thirdly, go for leads. You've got to get a lead program that is out there representing you, that's out there creating awareness for you. Uh, none of this is going to be your problem if you don't have a lead. Right? That's correct. None of this is going to be a problem if you don't have awareness in your market, in your sphere of influence, that you are the realtor go-to person. So that's what we want for you. And so all of this, we're here to help take advantage of the tools that are available to you because they are plenty. 
All right. Guys, this was awesome. awesome. Yeah. Good program. Thank yeah. you so much, yeah. Curtis. Yeah. Thank, Curtis you thank you so much, Brian, Harry, yeah. Michelle, Mark. You guys rock. Um, a good start to 2021, and we will see you next month. Ciao. Ciao.